Hello, and welcome to the history of actor training in the British Drama School. This is the fifth edition of this podcast, and this week, for the first time, we're going to um, have an interview. We're going to talk. Is it an interview? A podcast, a chat, a conversation with two um, people, hopefully, who are uh, experts in the the profession of stage combat, um, both as a, a practice and also as a as a way of teaching and uh, it's going to be fantastic to hear hear their views about that work, which at the moment, partly to do with uh, COVID and partly to do with other things, is um, in a shifting place within the, the teaching of, of drama schools like RADA and Lambda and uh, the Drama Centre, which are three schools which we're going to centre on in this podcast. Not solely. Um, we're going to look at other schools too, but they're going to provide a sort of a, 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 a base. And that's because of their their place in the history of drama schools. They're good examples of a particular three particular types of school. Anyway, so just before we do that, I'd like to give you a little bit of context and and a few things um, that come from the the, the present and the past. Um, to set off with, I just thought there was a recent article in the Stage um, newspaper, a long a long read actually by Lynn Gardner which looks to begin a discussion about the things that this podcast is concerned about. And it starts off with this paragraph, which I think is useful. So Lynn writes, Few would dispute that it's been an uncomfortable few years for drama schools in the UK. For decades, they've been fated for delivering some of the most admired training in the world and developing some of its most remarkable actors. I'd say a bit more than decades, but anyway, at least at least a, a half a century and a bit. And in fact, in terms of training actors, or in terms of the actors that come out of the drama school, um, really from the very beginning of of Rada, Arda, and and Central. But but anyway, yes, thank you, thank you, Lynn. Uh, but more recently, what drama schools do, how they do it, what is on the curriculum, who teaches within their walls, and who gets to train has come under intense and sometimes uncomfortable scrutiny. So that's a good that's a good point of, of, of setting off. I'm not sure I agree that it's come under intense scrutiny. I'm not sure it's come under scrutiny. It's come on, it's been challenged. It's come under some kind of um, uh, an attack, and that may be completely valid. But I, I I certainly feel maybe this is just me. I'm not sure. I I feel I would have liked a bit more scrutiny. Maybe it's the meaning of the word. Anyway, so that's the position. And in the article, um, three uh, very important leaders of, of drama schools discuss their views. And a little bit later, Orla O'Loughlin says this. O'Loughlin says, The dominant classical training, which has a particular focus on craft as applied to voice, body, text, is very much predicated on a Western European male tradition, both in terms of practice and repertoire. And that's a, a sort of a um, artistic leader version of the kind of thing you'll find in interesting academic papers. So, for instance, there, there's an article by Samuel Ravengai, and Samuel Ravengai writes, In physical theatre, actor training performers get to a body condition of neutrality, where the body is emptied of any attitude or personality trait and becomes open in the sense of being available to creative stimuli. These are quotes from... Uh, and then Samuel Ravengai goes on to ask, is there such a thing as a position of neutrality? 
Michel Foucault argues that power and knowledge imply one another and that dominant groups will produce knowledge in particular ways in order to protect their dominance. What may be called neutrality is in fact a confirmation of the values of the dominant group. As I discussed below, the Western-groomed body was very much influenced by European court society, whose etiquette required the internal pacification of individuals and the careful management of their bodies. When bodies are trained to be neutral in actor training, they seem to come close to a court society body, and the African body is asked to lose far too much as compared to a Western-groomed body. And that's kind of an interesting academic point, um, well made, and... um, and fascinating. So that's a, a sort of where we are. And then on, on the other side, I suppose um, there would be people who would argue that that training um, a body and a voice and a, uh, an acting technique to be open and, and free and available. And I understand that those those words have a, um, a value attached to them. So it is it's it's hard to talk about these things without um, moving out of some kind of a position. I I recognise that. But um, let's stop talking theoretically. So I've been working away at East 15 and and Rose Bruford, and I was watching some of my students, the students, at Rose Bruford this week and and observing how much they've changed. And I was talking to one student in particular who seems transformed by a couple of weeks of being back in the school. and, And we discussed the things that he'd been doing during lockdown, the work he'd been doing. Um, and it's very understandable that bodies contain those stories. Um, but what I see when I watch him, when I watch actors, is an opening which is entirely positive. I don't see an imposition of some kind of um, cultural value. I understand completely that bodies are made up of our stories and our experience and our culture and our pain and the recent history and the and the deep history of our of our people and our families that's all true uh, um, and believe me as anyone who works um in te- intensively with people's bodies and people's people's sound those things are often sort of literally in my hands and I would hope that I belong to uh, a group of people, a community of teachers who, with great sensitivity, understand and recognize that. So when sort of moving out of, of, of perspectives and positions like the ones I've just described, people will talk, I think, with limited knowledge about some of the disciplines that, that, that people like me practice as being um, something like, like body shaming which is a, a, a quote from a, a recent meeting, something that happened. And I, 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 I am filled with um, hurt and rage about that because I, I don't recognize that in, in the people that I teach. I don't recognize it in the people that I teach with. And I don't recognize that as being a part of the recent history of the British Drama School. There may have been a time, there certainly was a time, um, and, and I really want to trace that. So I, I'd love to talk to some people who will um, argue with me and, and, and make, make the point that the drama school was a site of injustice. I think that would be really great, and I'm, I'm looking for some of those, those people. 
So I'm a little bit confused about this. I I see an awful lot of the work of the drama school um, not as a sort of act of somatic repression or imperialism, but as a site of of liberation. So I see a positive politics in the way that that we work with bodies or worked with bodies and voices. And it's my ambition to trace that back to some of its roots. And I recently read something in preparation for the conversation that's that's to come, which I thought was fascinating. And it, it articulates the body training, the movement training, which was um, in the faculty of Lambda in the 1950s and 60s. And I'm going to read it to you because I think it's rather, it's rather good. Um, so this is from a PhD by a man called Stephen Macht. I may have mentioned Stephen Macht before. He wrote a very useful and, and interesting PhD um, towards the end of the 1960s in which he art- articulates the, the entire history of Lambda. Um, it's particularly good, as you can imagine, around the period that he was there. And some of the descriptions of the departments are really fantastic. So this is the end of the description of the movement department. So the work you would have done at Lambda on a three-year course or in a, on, a, on the, the one-year D course, uh, mostly for US students, in the 1960s. So we're skipping to the end of the chapter about movement training, and Stephen Macht uh, writes, Hello Stephen, I don't know if you might listen to this, I'll, I'll send you a link. Um, your PhD is fantastic, it's, it's so useful. Um, brilliantly written. The final phase in the movement training at Lambda from 1954 to 1966 was taken up with several terms of stage fighting. Taught by Peter Diamond and Jack Barry from 1954 to 1966, fencing, and fencing, by the way, um, and I'm sure this will come up in our, in our conversation, has been a part of actor training forever, really. Rosina Philippi, who's one of my favourite characters of the Edwardian period, um, used to do all of her directing and, and teaching and voice teaching, um, waving a, a foil um, at the actors, a, a magnificently eccentric character we'll, we'll meet one day. Fencing is now under the direction of Barry Halliday. This form of physical training usually begins in the first term of the second year, after the student has had the opportunity to strengthen his body through other movement work. Peter Diamond worked closely with Brian Way. Brian Way is really cool. We're going to have to talk about him at some point. Very important person. In teaching stage fighting. And their methods have been adapted and modified by Barry Halliday. This is, we're going to get to it. Fundamentally, however, stage fighting has been considered from several points of view. Emotional growth, self-discipline, group sensitivity and dramatic necessity. All teachers recognise that young actors exhibit a natural need to break the established rules of their society. Accordingly, stage fighting is considered capable of teaching the student personal integrity, loyalty to self and group, leadership and membership in the community. That's good, but listen to this. And as one means of either constructively or or destructively breaking those values. Isn't that cool? as one means of either constructively or destructively breaking those values. The teachers have also assumed that students want, and indeed need, to fight. While meeting these needs, fighting also leads the students to discover a new means of bodily control. Under Way and Diamond, stage fighting was broken down into several components. The physical action of the fight itself, the blocking of the fight, and the dramatic intention of the fight. 
In beginning exercises, however, students were taught to shadow box and to use imaginary weapons. According to Barry Halliday, this introduction is needed because many actors are frightened and need to find a safe way of accomplishing a fight, especially since it looks dangerous. Imaginary fighting, therefore, tends to relax the students, and then television and film techniques of stage fighting from different camera angles are introduced to demonstrate artificially how an actor never actually gets hit. It's pretty sophisticated stuff. So this is not just teaching people to do a, a, a few moves and a few falls. It's it's much more nuanced and much more synthesized into the whole training than that. Anyway. Carries on. The etudes permit the actors to expend emotion naturally until the moment before contact, when a freezing action of the blow takes place. When such stop-action control is mastered, the students then learn to place their blows so as narrowly to miss their opponents. This basic method is also used for fighting with rapiers, foils, battle axes, and in karate and aikido. Once the principles of each type of fight has been taught. Period sword fighting has never been taught at the academy. Only the essentials of swordplay are learned, since the instructors believe that the ordinary spectator does not concern himself with accuracy in terms of specific periods. Not sure what Rodney Cottier would think of that, but anyway. On the other hand, the objective of each fight is stated and discussed, and each blow is motivated. A fight takes shape in the form of a conversation of actions instead of one composed of words. Amazing. How useful! From the beginning, the actors learn the principles of safety through a study of the weapons to be used. Nevertheless, the dramatic objective of each fight is thoroughly choreographed so that the actors learn to relax while accomplishing the fight. Basic bodybuilding. It doesn't mean what we mean by bodybuilding. So um, like Trish Arnold was teaching at Landra at the time. So some of you who've trained in the drama school recently will know Trish's work. So by basic bodybuilding. I think what's meant is a, a sort of somatic understanding, freeing the body, connecting with the spine, that kind of work. Movement improvisation, mask work, period and country dancing, and stage fighting are the components of movement training at Lambda today. Well, I'm not sure they are today because of those, um, of that curriculum, mask work, period and country dancing, stage fighting, Movement improvisation, th- those things have, have, have changed and some of them have disappeared very recently. So that was, in a way, the curriculum of Lambda up until um, a few months ago. For rightly or wrongly, that can be discussed. In one way or another, these elements are aimed at teaching the actors to expose themselves physically and without fear. Once the actors learn to respond to their physical instruments naturally, they necessarily become better equipped to use their bodies to further the dramatic intentions of a script. And that's the the kind of movement training that I I recognise from my colleagues. So all of the work is designed to enable actors to be better equipped to use their bodies to further the dramatic intentions of a script. And some people would argue any script. So that gives us some sense of, of where stage combat comes from in terms of, of Lambda, but we'll have a much more interesting discussion um, next. So actually, I decided to put this into a separate podcast. So have a, have a listen to the next podcast where you will hear an interview between two former 
stage combat teachers from Lambda. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.